you just tuned into the hippest way to start and grow your indie author career, learn the ins, the outs, and all the all-arounds of self-publishing with the team from D2D and their industry-influencing guests. You're listening to Self-Publishing Insiders with Draft2Digital. Hello, world. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, well, it's good to see all of you again. Right now, we've got zero viewers, but... I promise more are coming up. Oh, there they are. They're starting to pop in right now. So hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in live. Uh, this is Kevin Tomlinson with draft to digital. You're li- you are watching and or listening to uh, self-publishing insiders. This is our live the live stream. Uh, you may be listening on the podcast and if so, welcome. But we have a very special guest, somebody that uh, I, I have, we were discussing this before uh, the show, Stephanie, but like we've passed in the night several times at different conferences and different events. Uh, I've always wanted to meet you. I'm a big fan of what you do and how you help the author community. But we're talking to Stephanie Chandler about, uh, among other things, her nonfiction author association, which I can't wait to dive into. But first, welcome, Stephanie. Thank you for being a part of the show. Kevin, it's silly we haven't met before this, but I'm so thrilled to be it's with crazy. you today. It's yeah. crazy. How have we not? And I was actually on your um I don't know if it's considered a podcast. I don't know what you consider that, but I was interviewed by Carla King, who is a, a very special friend of mine. I really like her a lot, um, and I'm grateful to her because she's actually part of the reason that I keep get coming back to to San Francisco for that conference. You know, she was part of the organization of that for a long while. But so I got to be a I got to be a part of your world briefly. So thank yeah, you for that. Yeah, a San Francisco Writers Conference is unlike any other. It's a pretty special event. Do you go every year? Are you a I've been attendee? there for 10 plus years. I was on the planning committee for a long time. Just this year, I stepped down just to save so much going on, but it's a wonderful event. Yeah, uh, and I've met so many incredible people at that, at that conference. One thing I've noticed, and we don't have to make this the San Francisco Writers Conference podcast, but uh, one thing I've noticed about that, that uh, conference is that it has shifted subtly um, over the past few years. I started going in 2017 and it was very heavily traditional. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's still pretty traditional with, with it's like the agent uh, speed dating and things like that. But what I noticed this year was that it was very heavily leaning towards indie publishing. Like everyone I talked to was very excited about the prospects of that. Did you, did you notice anything like that or is that even, Something you care to notice? <laughs> well, absolutely. I mean, I I get more enthusiastic seeing people um, more interested in self-publishing each year at that event. I mean, it's getting harder and harder to traditionally publish. And people like me, I, I left traditional publishing because I hated the lack of control. So yeah, there's lots of pros and cons on both sides. But I, I love seeing the trend towards self-publishing. Me too. Big fan. Uh, and of course I would be, so I'm, I'm very biased in that, uh, real quick. I want everybody to know who, uh, those of you who are watching live, make sure you ask your questions in the comments. Cause we'll get to those as we go through the show. If you're listening to the podcast, you missed out on the live answers, but you can still ask, uh, in comments on YouTube and Facebook, uh, and prob- possibly even in, uh, some form of comment section on whatever podcast, uh, uh, app you use, but uh, just pop in and uh, let us know what you got, and we'll try to help you out. So, Stephanie, um, primarily we were we we decided we would chat with you about the uh, the nonfiction authors association. So, why don't you 
why don't you give me kind of a breakdown like what that is and what its origins are yeah i mean it started kevin because i was speaking at writers conferences and i was frustrated by the lack of attention paid to nonfiction writers so in 2010 we held our first three-day online conference and dan pointer was our opening keynote speaker that year and and he was such a wonderful mentor to so many people and he said online is going to be your thing stay with it and so we did this online conference i had no idea if anyone would attend because right. 2010 was way before anybody was doing that but they did and each year people came back and they would say how do we keep in touch when the conference is over so i thought why is nobody talking to nonfiction writers we're a huge community all by ourselves yeah. So that led to the Nonfiction Authors Association launch in 2013, and we have been going and blowing ever since, and I'm just super proud of this community and the authors that we serve. Yeah, it, it's a it's a proud community. I mean, I, I'm a, a sort of visceral part of that community. I've only got a couple of nonfiction, two or three nonfiction books. Why do you think it is that no one addresses the nonfiction crowd? I honestly, I can't figure it out. I mean, I'm grateful. It's a wonderful yeah. opportunity for me because this is where my passion is. I mean, I, I left Silicon Valley in 2003 and opened a brick and mortar bookstore here in Sacramento yeah. and thought I would write novels in the back office. And because when you grow up wanting to write, that's what you think you're supposed to do, right? Yep, yep. <laughs> and I was a terrible fiction writer. And I fell in love with nonfiction because of the element of teaching. I've always wanted to teach. That's what I set out to do in college. And I did this U-turn and ended up in Silicon Valley. So um, I love this blend of teaching. And I, I don't understand why nobody's talking to nonfiction writers, but I am so happy to be the shepherd for this community. That's what they were waiting for, actually. They were waiting for you. <laughs> that's right. So that, that, that's, you know, that's um, a philosophy I actually have is that some, when you look in, out into the world and you see a gap, it's probably shaped like you. So that, the beautiful. world is, yeah, that's that beautiful. is your space there, Stephanie. And well, you claim attention, right, Kevin, to the path because I opened this bookstore. Honestly, six weeks in, I went, oh my gosh, what have I done? I don't want to run a retail store. It's not nearly as romantic as it sounds. Right. And I and then and then I turned out I was terrible at writing fiction. And I thought, oh my gosh, I've imploded my whole life. Right. And then all these authors were coming in with their self-published books and they were so poorly produced. Yeah. And I thought, I'm gonna help you. And I self-published my first book. And then I signed with an agent that I met at San Francisco Writers Conference and we sold yeah. two books. And along the way, I sold that bookstore and and started working. And I realized nonfiction is just, I have so much heart because a lot of people who are writing nonfiction want to make an impact in the world. Yes. Right? They want to share yeah. their story and help others. They want to teach you something. So there's a lot of mission behind nonfiction. So I've come to decide my mission is to help other people live their mission. That's, that is glorious. I love that mission. That is very similar. I mean, I have a very similar mission, so I, I'm always happy to hear that. Um, do you still have the bookstore? Is the bookstore still? Around? I sold the bookstore three okay. years later. Um, I was barely there. I, you know, I put a staff in and disappeared and started consulting and publishing and all the other good stuff. Yeah, yeah. I seek. I think most authors may. Th I don't know. You tell me, but I think secretly we all want to own a bookstore, and For we sure. all have the idea wrong. <laughs> oh, don't do it! I can just tell you, don't do it. It's it was so much work. It's yeah. so, so many headaches. I live in Austin and there are so many um, authors here 
this has become like a huge uh, focal point for authors, especially indie authors. But uh, there are so many here, and and half of them have opened bookstores. And uh, I just, I really, I legitimately want to sit down and talk to them and ask them, like, how's it going? (laughs) Yeah, if you get them like in the honest mode, they're going to tell you it's so much harder than you think it's going to be. I bet. So, all right. So you, so you go through all that and you found this association. Um, what makes something an association, by the way? What, why not a different name for it? I mean, I, I just, I like the sense of community that it creates, I guess. Yeah. So that's really the, and it, it tied in nicely with, and by the way, Kevin, what are the odds that nonfictionwritersconference.com was available? Nonfictionauthorsassociation.com was available. Nonfictionbookawards.com was available. We have those yeah. as well. I mean, it was like meant to be, right? Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. That's, that's how it, it that's why you, Yeah. Those little synchronicities and things, man, that's how you know you're on the right track. Like, you know, they, there's a dream in your heart that fits the shape of that idea and all the resources are available. I mean, that's fantastic. Yeah. I registered each domain for $9. So, wow. Okay. <laughs> I just paid a lot of money for a domain that I I have one had had my eye on for a long time. So I can appreciate the beauty of buying it early in the, and, and getting the one you want. So what are, what are just some of the perks of, um, of like membership in the uh, association? So I really thought long and hard about membership perks. Cause of course I've been a member of a million organizations over the years and I wanted it to ha- be really high in value. So yeah. first and foremost, we have so much content educational content. Um, We have legal agreements that templates that authors can use. We've got reports and checklists and it goes on and on and on. Um, One of the things people love most is every Friday we send out media leads. So we curate lists of media leads um, primarily for podcasts and blogs looking for guest posts. And I hear from members all the time. They're getting interviews from those media leads they have to then take action, right? Then they have to pitch the the podcast or the or the blog. We have a, a really wonderful members only Facebook group. We have membership discounts with partners. Um, we should probably talk a draft to digital, but uh, we have Lulu, Office Depot, Ingram Spark, Findaway Voices, and on and on yeah. and on. Um, and why actually, are we not in there? We don't even charge anything. I well, we should totally be you guys. We certainly recommend <laughs> you guys. Uh, so yeah, exactly. So we have, we just have a ton of benefits. Um, members get discounts off the conference, yeah. off our master courses. Um, so it just, it's such a powerful community. Oh, and our newest thing, which I love so much, uh, once a month, we are doing what we call the author brainstorm exchange. We bring authors into zoom and we put them into Uh, Zoom breakout rooms in groups of six, and each person gets 10 minutes to share a question or a challenge that they're having and get feedback from the group. It's like a mini mastermind. It is 100% free to members, and they are loving it, and they're super, super fun to do. That is so, so vital, by the way. Mm -hmm. Like, one of the things that I love about conferences, and this, this past conference, I got to do this a couple of times, but like... I would just sort of hold court in the bar and all these authors would come around and ask questions and we could talk and share, you know, I'd share what I knew and then, uh, you know, everyone else could kind of pipe up and share what they knew. And, and so any question that got asked got, you know, 20 different answers, but they were all relevant. 
So having, you know, an organized way to do that on a regular basis, that's just got to be huge for the authors. Yeah. And it's amazing what, what some know that they don't even realize they know, right? Because they've already done it. They've already been through editing or they've already started their social media or whatever yeah. it is. So, and I always say you have something to contribute, whether you realize it or not. Yes, absolutely. And from the lowest level to the highest level, everyone's got a little something to contribute. So what's, what's the, um, I don't want to like pin you down and, and, uh, and get you locked in on like prices and stuff if, if they tend to change or anything, but like, what can an author expect to, to pay to be a part of the, uh, association? No, that's totally fair. Our prices haven't changed in a long time. So it's $29 a month for authority membership or two ninety for the year. Um, and that gets you all the things I just talked about. Then we also have a VIP level that's six ninety a year, but they get free access to the conference, the recordings, okay. the transcripts, they get access to a special course. They get access to all of our author toolkits, which are yeah. incredible. So, um, so yeah, we have both levels. That is, um, all that sounds like a bargain, actually. Um, that's not, that's a reasonable $29 a month is, a, if, I think, in the range of what most authors could probably afford to pay. So that, that sounds very fair. Um, and it pays for itself, honestly, and the discounts and things like that. Yeah. Really, it pays for itself. I should mention, by the way, that we're we're not like sponsored by you or anything, so I'm <laughs> under no obligation to uh, to promote that. But I I actually think that that is quite fair um, for everything you get. Because before the call, before we started uh, going, before we went live, uh, you actually ran down a nice little list of past uh, speakers at your conference. Uh, you want to share some? Can you share some of those? Yeah, I mean, we've had Julia Cameron, Anna Quinlan, uh, Gretchen Rubin, Seth Godin, Guy Kawasaki, Don Miguel Ruiz, Martha Beck. I mean, we've just had a phenomenal. We've been that's like fortunate. one full bookshelf in, over to my <laughs> left. Um, that is really incredible. Speakers, uh, my favorite authors. I I reach out and I ask. That's that simple. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. I mean, that's the best way you're paying attention to your audience. Yeah. yeah. For sure. We were also talking. So we, I think we did half this interview before the uh, thing went live. Um, so forgive me for bringing some of this up. And if we already covered it, remind me, but I can't remember what went, what happened before and after the red dot. So, <laughs> you got it. Um, so you, uh, you brought on Carla King. Uh, yeah. I did want to mention her cause she is, like I said, I, 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 I love her. Um, and she's been very responsible. I mentioned this on air, I'm sure, but, uh, very responsible for uh, getting me involved with, uh, San Francisco, uh, writers conference in particular, but, um, she's what, what is her role there? Like what's she doing with you? So Carly King is our VP of business development and okay. I'm super thrilled to have her. I've known her for a decade as well. Yeah. Kevin, she's known for teaching self-publishing boot camps and things yep. like that. And I, when I sat down to think about the help I needed, we have a good team. We do a lot of customer support and things like that. Um, I thought I need somebody to do the stuff I'm procrastinating on because, you know, <laughs> I'm a CEO and we've grown. And so she took over recording our podcast. I have been talking for years about we need to be on YouTube. So now we're finally have a YouTube channel. We're streaming yes. with, with StreamYard like you're doing. So she's moving us forward. She's great with tech as well. And she and I share that we both love technology. So it's been a perfect mix. She's also way more sociable than I am. I mean, yes. I am a, 
I am a hardcore introvert. People don't believe me, but it's true. So, and she's the opposite. She picks up the phone and calls people. She networks at conferences. And when I'm done with my session at the conference, I'm hiding in my room going, oh my gosh, too much people. (laughs) (laughs) Right. We just compliment each other really, really well. That's good. It's good to find partners. You know, it's good to find at, at every level, no matter what you're doing, it's good to find people who resonate with you and can kind of fill in the gaps of what, you yeah. know, what you're doing. Um, so, uh, well, I had a question and it just blew out of my head, but we'll, okay. we'll move on. <laughs> I, I was trying to kind of keep it cause I'm like, Oh, that's a good question. Uh, but anyway, so in terms of Carla, um, you know, I was recently on your show. Uh, I accidentally stumbled onto that while I was searching. I was, someone asked me to make a pitch, uh, for speaking. And, uh, so I did, and they wanted links to, uh, stuff I've done recently. And I just did a quick search and that was like the first result. So thank you for that. Um, so in terms of nonfiction, one of the things that you and I did talk about, um, was how the marketing for nonfiction in your words is actually a little easier for fiction. Why is that? Because you um, really step into the role of expert in your topic. And that's true, by the way, for memoir writers as well. I know memoir writers say that doesn't apply to me, but it does. It does, especially if you're focused on your marketing. I'm a big believer in carve out a niche for yourself and figure out how are you going to serve your audience? So, you know, is it another... Is it another general, you know, financial planning book or is it financial planning for single moms or um, planning for kids college or starting late in life? You know, you can narrow your focus. It really does make the marketing for nonfiction so much easier because you can be perceived as an expert and authority in your field and do interviews and, and get all kinds of attention. Yeah. Um, yes, actually speaking of interviews, like I have a a good friend who's working on a nonfiction book who was a little stuck and I had actually suggested like, well, why not just, uh, reach out to influencers in that, in that subject and ask them if they'll do like a 10 or 20 question email interview. And so that was a way to lot to dislodge (laughs) and get his material and actually come up with content for the book. So free tip for people who are out there struggling to figure out what to do. Kevin, I got to tell you, it's funny that you said that because I have done that for every book I have written. Mm. All my chapters always end with an interview. And I have done those as written interviews. I did it for my very, very, very first book. And people raved about the interviews. They loved the real life story. So it's become a signature part of my books. And I love that you said that because... And who can't fill out a written interview? Right, right exactly. You can make it very easy. Uh, you know, he's sending them a Word document, but I'm, I'm, I'm like, well, I, I've used, I've done this before. I've done things like create a Google form that has the questions, you know, uh, so that I don't have to replicate work. And yeah, that stuff is really useful. Um, so what, so what is your like primary? I, this is the question I was trying to remember earlier. By the way, what's your primary target when you're writing nonfiction? What do you typically write about? Well, now it's nonfiction authors, right? Okay. So nonfiction book publishing plan was my last widely released book. I have a workbook that will be coming out soon. I've been using it to teach the book marketing master course. And um, I've just been kind of honestly procrastinating. <laughs> <laughs> As we do. 
<laughs> but I don't think there's anything like it out there. I set out to hit it 100 pages and I ended up being like 230 or something like that. You know how that goes too. Yeah. So, um, but I'm really proud of it. So that'll be out soon. So mostly right now I'm writing for my target audience because as you probably also know, it's really tricky to switch lanes. Yes. Um, certainly I have other interests <laughs> and topics I tend to touch on someday, but you know, you, that, that's really creating a separate audience and that's a lot of work. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You have to No, people don't necessarily think about this. Authors don't necessarily think about it, but you know, when you shift genres or shift topics, you essentially have to start from zero on the marketing. Like you have, you not necessarily, there may be crossover, but you probably don't have a well-refined mailing list and a platform that talks to that, you know, that people are looking for you more than they're uh, having to be found. <laughs> and it's so true. And I hear it over and over from authors because, you know, we're creative beings, right? And yeah. so we have multiple interests and maybe you have a book on parenting and a book on about a memoir about your dog. And that's all great. Um, if you can merge them, wonderful. But if not, I, my advice is pick a lane and focus on that. And then if yeah. you add another, great. And, you know, now today there's other options too. Like we're seeing really good results with Amazon ads for nonfiction. Yeah. There's, there's other ways you can bring attention to a book, but if you really want to own your space and be seen as an expert in your field, I think it's important to put all those key pieces into place. Yeah, I agree. So you bring up an interesting, uh, you inadvertently, I think brought up an interesting topic. Um, because there, most of the services that are out there for helping authors market and promote their books are aimed at fiction. Mm -hmm. So what are resources? And I know that you're a, you're becoming a central resource in and of yourself for, for that kind of thing, uh, helping people connect, but uh, talk, you can talk a little bit about that, but you know, what are ways that nonfiction authors can promote themselves? Well, one of the things I recommend all the time, and you and I talked about this before we went live, virtual assistants. I think every author needs a virtual assistant. I will tell you, no totally successful author does it all alone, right? We have help. So a virtual assistant, for those who aren't familiar, is a contracted worker um, and you that an administrative task, right? So you can hire someone for as few as five hours a month for $20, $30, or $40 an hour who maybe does your research to find the podcast you want to be on and sends out your pitches and helps with your blog posts and your social media. So I'm a huge advocate of hiring help whenever you can. And then a lot of those services, as you said, Kevin, are fiction centric, but there is a, a place to be carved out at BookBub for nonfiction. There's um, software I really like is Book Review Targeter. Um, by yeah. Brown. That's a great tool. Um, but mostly I, I push authors to go get a virtual assistant who has experience working with authors. Yeah, that is a uh, very good advice. It's, it's challenging because there is a cost involved and there's management involved, but um, you know, you can start small. There are, there are lots of VAs out there who will work for, you know, not a lot of money per hour. And you just, even if you're just getting, you know, three to five hours a week out of them for something that can be a huge shift for you. Uh, completely for a couple hundred dollars a month to be able to, to deal with the stuff you're procrastinating on and focus on the things you like to do and do well yeah. to me. Yeah. That's completely worth. And you can also hire overseas talent as well. They, they tend to be a lot less. Yeah. 
But if you want somebody who's customer facing and things like that, um, you know, it, you're going to pay more for that. I, I have slacked off on all that, but back in the days when I first read uh, Four Hour Work Week, uh, Tim Ferriss's book, <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh yeah, th there's a whole list of uh, of virtual assistant services in there, and I was, I, that's what I was doing for a long time. But then I dialed back, and maybe I shouldn't have. Maybe that's the maybe that's the secret. Uh, but you have some links to the, some of these resources and stuff as as part of the association, right? We do. So we have recommended resources on the site and we have curated a list of virtual assistants who work with authors. And then we also now have a certification program. So we're putting um, book coaches and assistants and things like that um, are taking our book marketing course, our book publicity course, our book um, publishing course. And those folks are also listed in there and they've passed tests to qualify to be listed in the directory. Good. Yeah. So these are all qualified leads, not, you know, they paid you and you put them in a list. No. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. It's hard to find. Reliability is something that's a challenge uh, in this business. We, we talked about predatory services uh, before the call. We talked about a lot before the call. We should have just shut up and held all that in. Uh, <laughs> but uh, how do you guys, have, have you had, um, I don't know. Have you had experiences having to deal with like these predatory services out there? Absolutely. And I get asked about them constantly. Our members will forward emails saying, is this legitimate? And 9.5 times out of 10, it's not legitimate. I get them yeah. myself because as an author, I get voicemails. We want to acquire your book. And, and, and so, yeah, it's just really unfortunate. A quick Google search, please. If you get these offers, do a quick Google search. I I've um, seen these issues with speakers too. Hey, can you, yeah. I just got one on LinkedIn this week. Can you come to Germany and speak to 1000 people? And it's just, it's not legit. I'm not going to yeah. even respond. Yeah. I always kind of wonder if I'm going to, if I do that, am I going to come back with both kidneys? Yeah. You know, or what's, what's, what's yeah. going to be my cost here? <laughs> well, the hitch is, oh, but you need to pay in advance. You know, it's. Yes. Yeah. You can, you can pretty much, you can start spotting these things. I think a good rule of thumb is if they ask for money immediately, then they're probably a scam. Not all, yeah. but I mean, you wouldn't go wrong by turning down like literally everyone who asked you to pay them before you, you know, Saw any for literary agents, yeah. podcasts, interviews, like all yeah. the stuff that should be free. Um, you should not be asked to pay for. So are there resources when you're part of the association that kind of help will you educate you at least on, on that sort of thing? For sure. Plus we have their community on Facebook. So people will ask questions. Have you worked with this provider? Who do you recommend for this? And you know, word of mouth is always to me, one of the best ways to get a recommendation as well. Yeah. That works out really nicely. Yeah. Word of mouth is still the, the most economical of, of marketing. <laughs> I think one of the most reliable, right? If you want yeah. to go to a restaurant, you ask your friend, what do you recommend? Right. If you want exactly. to, if you want to read a book, what are you, what are you reading? Right. right. Word of mouth is so key and getting, yeah. you know, raving fans, readers to talk about your books. I just did a little, a little, uh, swerve on that topic, but yeah, getting readers to talk about your books is important too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, real quick, I just want to remind everybody watching live, uh, be sure to ask your questions in the comments. We, we've seen some, I've seen some interesting comments float by, but uh, we're here to answer questions. Uh, so if you got something for D2D or you got something for our guest, uh, Stephanie here, uh, just pop it in the comments and we'll be happy to read and answer that on there. So, um, so yeah, well, you have a certification system mm-hmm. for what, what all does that cover? So last, well, I think it was the end of the prior year, um, we launched our first book marketing master course. And I created the course. It took me like a whole year to create that course. Kevin, I wanted it to be really intensive, sweet course. And throughout that process, I thought nobody is creating consistent practices in this industry for for marketing, for publishing, for um, publicity. So I thought it was the perfect time to create a certification program. We have a lot of publishing industry pros in our community. And so um, people can either take the course by itself or the course with the certification. The certification program requires taking a quiz after each weekly module that are delivered live, by the way, and then passing with 80% or better. And then they get listed in our directory. They get a certification badge. We interview them. We give them lots of love. And it's been going so well because I was having a hard time recommending book consultants, book, you know, because I don't know. I don't know what advice they're giving. And as you know, there's lots of bad advice out there too. So it gives me comfort to know that we are providing a consistent methodology for each of these that we know people are delivering and that's been just super fun and very popular. And what I like about that, by the way, is you, you, again, this is, I'm starting to get a bead on you, Stephanie. (laughs) You, you saw an opening, you saw a gap out there and you figured out how to fill it. Uh, in, in your case, in this case, it was, there's not very many reliable, you know, services uh, service providers for xyz and so you just created a system to make sure that these people were available and they're in your system that's that's beautiful <laughs> yeah I mean, thank you i mean thank you it's just it, it, and just know that integrity is one of my core values and so seeing some of the stuff that's out there right now we talked about this briefly before we went live too yeah you know, there's a lot of unsavory things happening in the publishing world and the advice that people are given. And and so it just, it really feels good to me that Carla King, by the way, teaches our publishing course. Joanne McCall teaches our publicity course. It actually starts next week and I teach marketing. So it's important to me that we're creating some, some level of standards that aren't shady snake oil tactics. Right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> The world definitely needs more of that. Um, yeah. You know, you want to build the fiction version of that too. We can probably, we could, we have a lot of people who could use that. <laughs> I mean, ninety percent of our stuff applies to fiction as well. And honestly, well, that's true. Yeah, PR and marketing. Argue, yeah, I would argue that fiction writers should be following the nonfiction model because you should find a core topic or or niche audience to carve out. Yeah. And get known for that and cultivate that community because, and that's what we do as nonfiction. So fiction writers could really learn a lot from the way nonfiction writers are approaching our own. Yeah. I absolutely agree with that. I'm, I'm a big advocate, always have been a big advocate of the idea that uh, you should be looking outside your box for 
uh, inspiration, for uh, information, you know, to educate yourself. Because there's a whole world of people who have figured out how to do certain things that would translate very easily over to uh, the world of fiction writing and publishing. Absolutely. I, see it. I saw it all the time. That was the whole point of the Wordslinger podcast was I was trying to, you know, make sure people knew that, you know, because the the biggest thing for us is that that entrepreneur world that's out there, uh, the the Internet entrepreneur and the hustle, the hustle crowd, like the stuff they're doing is easily applicable to to our world, both fiction and nonfiction. Yeah, the hustle culture is really getting out of control, too. And yeah, we could go and have a whole other conversation about that, but it doesn't have to be that hard. Is marketing books hard? Yes. Is yes. selling books hard? Yes. Yes. And I'll say that every day, all day, because I want people to understand the realistic challenges that lie ahead. Um, but, you know, I, li I like to think of it as gardening, Kevin. So I hate gardening. I hate it, but I do it. <laughs> Because yeah. I like the end result. I like to have a really pretty yard to spend time in. Yeah. Um, and some people feel that way about marketing, right? It's like the least, last thing they want to do. Yeah. But, you know, if I walk out into my garden and plant three seeds every day, mm -hmm. over time, that garden grows. Yeah. And if you do that with your book marketing and you plant three seeds every day, you pitch yourself to a podcast, you write a blog post, you record an interview. Yep. That adds yeah. up with time. And that doesn't need to, you know, and by the way, none of us have eight hours a day to focus on book marketing. Like, right. Work times yeah. Authors have day jobs. Right. So, Well, and I think, I think people put too much stress on themselves about, about that sort of thing. Like, it's just like you said, I mean, if you committed to just, I'm going to do three things this week that are meant to promote my books, that will have a huge impact. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Uh, so we got a couple of things I wanted to pop up. First of all, Andy Jones, who is just a wonderful human being hey, in and of himself. Uh, he says, all of us do own a bookstore. This was referring to our bookstore comment earlier. All of us do own yeah. a bookstore uh, of mostly digital and audio books. We just don't sell our books. <laughs> so, hey, speak for yourself, man. I'm trying to sell. Um, and this is uh, one of my crew, Jim Esvito. You know Jim. He went. Oh, absolutely. He tried to hunt you down at. Uh, Sorry, I'm just <laughs> uh, says if you're considering a celebrity interview, not huge but still famous, is it best to target their publicists or agents, or attempt to go directly to the person? Great question, Jim. And the answer really is all of the above. So, um, so you know, I mentioned a bunch of big name authors we've had at the conference every year. And usually I start out trying to find contact information through their website, through yep. LinkedIn. I might DM them through their social media. A lot of times they read their own DMs. Um, this past year we had uh, Anna Quinlan. I really, really wanted Anna Quinlan. And I went to her publisher. Yeah. There's nowhere anywhere to contact her anywhere. Yeah. And I yeah. knew she wasn't doing her own social media. So I contacted the publisher and said, hey, we have this event. We'd love to have her speak. We'll donate some books to attendees. And, you know, that got attention. So that's another thing. If you can throw in a little added incentive. I was going to say, yeah, you need to you need to always approach. The, I've interviewed some really big names in my career and, and all of them came to me that way. You know, it was the yeah. what can I offer them? If you go in with that attitude, your chances of success are much higher. Yeah, we ended up buying, I think, 150 copies of her book and giving them to the first 150 people who registered for the oh, conference. Nice. And we we worked with a local bookstore to ship them out. So 
uh, it was a win for everybody all around and such a fun experience. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love, um, I love when those come together. It's always great to get those guests, you know? Um, but I think people overestimate how, how much of a kick those folks can sometimes get out of these appearances too. Like, has that been your experience? Um, that yes. I, I mean, Anna Quinlan, so here she is. She's the Pulitzer Prize winning author, yes. yeah. right? And I never know what to expect. I, I had no conversation with her prior. I didn't know. And we did it as an interview um, for the opening session. And sometimes these big authors are kind of um, cold or blocked or, you know, just hard yeah. to connect with. She could not have been warmer or kinder or uh, she was self-deprecating. She was honest. So, you know, I appreciate that authenticity and yeah. you really never know what you're going to get. Cause let me tell you, we've had some speakers that were challenging as yes. well. Um, but I so appreciate, especially the, the well-known, the well-known writers who've come done the work that we're all trying to do and come along yeah. with and yeah. to be, still be humble and kind is really awesome. I, I'm a challenging speaker. I demand a trailer. M&M's <laughs> green M&M's yeah. yeah. that's the that's the standard cliche uh diva thing there is the green M&M's right I, I made that joke earlier today uh so yeah so that's actually you know we bring that up but that's actually probably something we should bring up because if you are a nonfiction author in particular chances are you're going to be doing PR you're going to be going on podcasts and maybe even bigger media like, do you guys uh, kind of, do you offer any sort of coaching for media appearances or anything like that? Or So I'm glad you asked that. Actually, yeah. <laughs> this afternoon, after this interview, we have a, a webinar at Noon Pacific on how to locate media contacts. This yeah. is all in part to uh, tie in with the course. It's our sixth week, the book publicity course. But yeah, we it's that database of content, Kevin. We have recordings, we have templates, uh, yeah. media tips media training it's it, all kinds of, uh, of resources available i'd at some point maybe you and i can talk about this later but at some point i have thought about this for a long time i would like to do some kind of content or a talk or something around how to be a good interview because i've interviewed thousands of people at this point you know and some have been great and some have not and uh <laughs> i've got my own take on <laughs> on what that looks like do you have um like what what are suggestions you might have for how to be good in an interview i love doing topic. great here well thank you <laughs> and i love the topic because i also you know did podcast interviews for our program for years until carla took it over um i think that you should match the pace of your host and yeah it should be a, a a back and forth it should be a game of volleyball and you're passing the ball back and forth and keeping it real yeah. Um, not over preparing. I've had people read answers on these interviews. And, yeah. But you don't want to be underprepared either when to have your talking points down. So, you know, I, I think practice. That's why I tell new authors, like, say yes to everything. Yeah. Even a podcast with two listeners, because if yes. if you don't have that experience, it takes time to get comfortable. I used to be awful on camera, Kevin. I look like I a deer in headlights. I did. I look like a deer in headlights. It took <laughs> me. I, and I have a friend, I have a longtime friend, a business um, owner locally. And he sent me a webcam, a Logitech webcam, like six years ago, 
with a note that said, if I have to do it, so do you. <laughs> and so it's like, dang it, Carl's going to make me get over my fear of the camera. And sure enough, you know, and then, and then the pandemic happened, oh, right? Yeah. We were already doing Zoom and running our conference with it and all of that. But I mean, everyone had to get comfortable on camera. Yeah. There's a nonfiction title for you. Then the pandemic happened. Then the pandemic happened. <laughs> I was going to, for a while there, uh, early in the pandemic, I was going to start taking photos of the various signs that people were taping to their doors of their businesses. And I was going <laughs> to do a photo book called Signs of the Apocalypse. Oh my gosh. I love it. I love it. Stay out. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, those are great. It's all, this is all great, by the way. Um, I, I have a particular love for, I think most, actually, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to speak for all authors on this. I, I, maybe this is just folks like you and me. Uh, we have a weird passion for nonfiction. Um, what are the, what's the sort of most popular nonfiction that you see come through your, your group? Like, is it mostly memoirs or are people writing on, you know, going on deep dives on specific topics like yeah when we do surveys off the top of my head our most popular genres are self-help self-development <clears throat> memoir um health and wellness business yeah and i say spiritual i would say those are the top five and then of course we've got science and history and textbooks and cookbooks yeah outlying things like that but those are probably our most popular genres do you know what does better in the marketplace um not off the top of my head and it keeps changing but did you yeah. know nonfiction outsells fiction every year i can believe it right? i can absolutely a variety believe of topics and yeah. I, you know yet again why is nobody talking to this audience well um, it's a it's much broader than people probably suspect i mean you know for example like uh, just because uh, because I have engaged recently in on this topic, like Jack Canfield's uh, uh, Chicken Soup for the Soul books are nonfiction, right? But they're like inspirational, possibly spiritual. But he's got them divided up in among topics. Like that's a huge, that's a much bigger category than people suspect, you know. But you don't necessarily think of that when you think of nonfiction. You think of you know you know, Walter Isaacson, you know, or at least I do. I think of, you know, the biographies and autobiographies and, and that sort of stuff mostly. And self-help. Well, and I think <laughs> it's interesting the type of people that we attract because of that. Yeah. When we do our member surveys every couple of years, I'm always astounded by the percentage of people with advanced degrees. Yeah. I mean, it's like 60%. It's so yeah. high. So we have therapists and executives and physicians and attorneys and consultants and speakers. And it's just, it's really incredible. And then um, a memoir tends to be people um, often who wait until they're retired to write because they yeah. finally have the time, which I totally get. Someday I would like to write one as well. So it's just, a, and, it, and a lot of those are retired professionals and, and then some of them aren't, and that's great. But it just fascinates me because when I want to learn something new, I go look for the book, right? Yeah. That's how I that's how I run my entire life is go yeah. find the book on how to do it. And then if the book doesn't exist, that goes on the list of, well, I better figure that out and then write that book. See, this is what I'm, I'm telling you. This is your pattern. You're like, <laughs> well, there's a gap. I better fill it. <laughs> yeah, well, and truly, yeah, that is how I have taken this. But that is exactly 
what uh, what people should do. You should look for the gap and fill it. That's how you you know you're you're meeting a need, especially if there's a demand for it. Now there wasn't when you were looking around. I mean, how did you determine that there was a demand for something oriented on nonfiction? I think because I was so at the time I was running a meetup group in Sacramento called the Sacramento Speakers Network. <laughs> So I started that group because I just wanted to network with other speakers and we were three people in a Starbucks. And then the next month we were five and the next month we were 10. We ended up being the largest business meetup in Sacramento. And we had, it was like over 2000 members. We were getting a hundred people at our monthly meetings. Yeah. And I realized these are all local professionals and a lot of them were asking me about how to write their books. Yeah. And I didn't have a resource to send them to because every writer's group, is fiction centric. And I would hear that complaint over and over. And I would go to our local writers groups and be like, I don't fit here. Yeah. These aren't, my, you know, these aren't my people specifically writing the nonfiction. And can I, can so, I just say, yeah. and I hate to say it and I'm, a, I apologize to everyone who has a, a novel writing group out there, but I find them to be the most useless thing for me to be a part of. I mean, there's a kind of encouragement that happens. But then if when you hand over your work, it, you know, the critiques you're getting are from people who haven't actually published or anything. So there's a kind of, I don't know, there's a, I think they're great if you are meeting up to do anything but talk about your specific work. If you just want to encourage each other to write, that's a great exercise. That's, that's all. That's a good point. I've never mm -hmm. been in, in that uh, situation. Yeah. I, did, I did have a writing critique group at my bookstore which is how I discovered a terrible fiction writer. <laughs> but it was mostly because other people would read their work and I would be like, oh my gosh, it's so much better than mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, I'm going to pop this comment from uh, Lexi up, also one of my crew. But uh, fic fiction is bought by fiction readers, but nonfiction can target people who don't even consider themselves readers. Great point. So, also, yeah. uh, the overlap between nonfiction and fiction readers you know, is fiction readers will likely read nonfiction as well. Uh, but, you know, you've got a nice crossover there. But if you love nonfiction, you may not read fiction at all. But I know plenty of fiction readers who will read nonfiction. <laughs> Absolutely. And Jim Alavito may be able to speak to this, but I just, and in fact, I just pulled up the data on this recently that Smashwords did a survey about or, uh, book pricing or did their research and published a report on price sensitivity with fiction buyers are expecting lower prices compared to nonfiction buyers where the sweet spot, I think was like $5.99 to $7.99 for nonfiction. Yeah. yeah. So people are paying because they there's a perceived value and, and they're interested in the topic where fiction readers tend to consume high volumes and therefore expect a lower price so they can uh, get more books. Yeah. That's exactly, yeah, I can attest to that. Um, so, okay, so we are, we're at the end, unfortunately, uh, oh. Stephanie. It was wonderful to chat with you, and I'm glad we finally, finally got a chance to connect. Uh, maybe next time we'll do it in three dimensions. Oh, I love it. That, that would be great. I'm <laughs> so glad to finally meet you. This was really, really fun. Well, for everyone who is interested in finding out more about you and what you're doing, um, they can visit nonfictionauthorsassociation.com. Is that right? That's correct. You Thank need you. a short version of that. You're like <laughs> N-A-A. 
NFAA. Well, we'll work on that. We'll work on that. Nonfictionauthorsassociation.com. Um, what where they can uh, track you down, find out your resources, that sort of thing. Anything right. else they need to know when they're when they're popping in there? Everything's there. Our upcoming events, courses, membership, all the good stuff, and the recommended resources area is really popular. I'm sad to say I'm not yet a member, but I think that's going to change by the end of the afternoon. So we'll take a look. Uh, all right, everybody. Uh, because I frankly, I just didn't. I never think of myself as a nonfiction author. That's the that's I think the problem. Um, but that's part of my life too. Um, so everyone, thank you for tuning in to uh, Self Publishing Insiders uh, Live. Uh, make sure that you're uh, bookmarking us at d2dlive.com. That's where you'll find a little countdown to each week's episode. We do have a brand new live stream every single week. Sometimes we throw in a webinar. Uh, but there's also other live stuff uh, that we will push there. So make sure you're on there. You can find an archive of past episodes. Um, and we've got uh, a brand new thing that we're kind of pushing. If you want some industry insights, we've got d2d.tips slash insight. That's our list of blog posts and webinars and other things that we think are just absolutely essential 101 stuff for indie authors of all types. Uh, mostly fiction, I'll tell you. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. It's it, it's actually just aimed at indie authors in general. So you can go uh, check that out. Make sure that you bookmark that because we are adding new stuff all the time. Uh, nope, that's the insights. I've, I've completely mixed, messed that up. That is the industry insights. Uh, tells you how the industry is going. The thing that I, I was actually trying to promote was ddd.tips slash essentials. And they're going to give me a hard time about this when I get out of the uh, show. But that's where you can find lots of stuff about um, all that, all those blog posts and everything that we were just talking about. So I've corrected myself and now we'll move on. But Stephanie, thank you so much for being a part of self-publishing insiders. Thank you, Kevin. This was a great day. Time flew by. I really appreciate it. I hope to talk to you soon. Yes, we will talk again soon. So thanks everybody for tuning in and we'll see you all next time. That's it for this week's self-publishing insiders with draft to digital. Be sure to subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts and share the show with your will-be author friends. And start, build, and grow your own self-publishing career right now at draft2digital.com.